Hey, everybody, how are you today? Hey, it is good to be home. Good to be home, good to be back in the house, good to be with my church family. Uh, if uh, you've been here in the last eight weeks, uh, we've never met. <laughs> I'm Jeff, and I'm one of the pastors here, I think. Uh, so far this morning, no one said that I wasn't still uh, on the team, so glad to be back. Uh, really has been a, an incredible experience. Uh, those of you that don't know, I've been away for the last several weeks, eight plus weeks, uh, just really just getting away. Uh, my wife and I and my kids, um, this would be year seven into our, this church plant. Uh, prior to this church plant, my, we, we planted a church in Atlanta, so you guys know that. So it seems like the last 14 years, we have been birthing something brand new. And I just want to say on behalf of my family, myself, thank you for letting us get away. Uh, this is, we've never done that before in my life, uh, having that amount of time to just really kind of turn off and uh, stop. Uh, it's not something I do very well. Uh, those of you guys that know my personality, I'm, I'm pretty ADD. Even, even if my body's not moving, my brain is, and it's just constantly on the go. So me, for me trying to... to uh, stop and slow down, and there was, I've had, I had some experiences where I got away by myself. Um, I, I remember calling home and saying uh, to my wife, baby, I, I don't know how to do by myself. This is so weird. Can, who, who can come visit me? Come hang out with me. Uh, I'm ready to come home. Uh, I had a lot of alone experiences. Uh, some of my experiences uh, I look forward to sharing with you, and some of the things God really taught me and is trying to, to teach me. Uh, we're going we're to do a special series uh, starting in three weeks, that I'm going to unpack some of the things that I feel like God has really been trying to have me learn, and some of the things and experiences that I will take from uh, our, my time away that I'll pass on to you in a couple weeks from now. Um, but I just want to say, it is good to be back, and I love our church, and I really, really missed you guys. I really, really did miss you. Really missed you. I really, uh, I mean, so many different experiences. It's like, I, I, I you know, when you know, when you're gone, absence of the heart makes the, you know, absence of the, however that goes, you know what I'm saying, makes the heart grow fonder, right? I, I just really realized I love our church. The, more, the longer I was gone, I was like, I don't know if I can do this. I'm ready to come back. So several weeks ago, I was ready to get back in action. Uh, I, I told our staff to, to you know, kind of not let me be in the loop of things. Uh, but I remember, you know, starting to, trying to email and find out what's going on. I didn't really know what was going on even today. Uh, I looked around this morning, and I'm, I'm going, oh, wow, we got, like, movie, th- movie uh, themes on the walls and movie music, and I hear you guys have been giving popcorn and all kind of fun giveaways, and this series has been great. Let me just say I've been very, very proud of our church. Uh, you know the saying, when the cat's away, the mice will play. I, I would never say cats because I hate cats, but I would never really call you dogs. So however you look at that, as I've been gone... You guys have risen up, like, in un- unbelievable ways. What our church has accomplished, accomplished this summer has been incredible. I want to say I'm so proud of our staff and our team that have really just shined. We didn't just, you know, hold the fort down, so to speak, when Daddy was away. But, I mean, we excelled. Things got better. Uh, we performed at high levels all across the board in our church. We have new groups that have started. We have groups that have been doing like all kind of amazing serving ways with trunks of love to uh, you rising up as a church and financing a lot of kids who needed help getting to summer camp. Uh, we continue to support and help a church start overseas. 
just a lot of things that's, that's been happening that you've done well as a church. I want to thank you, Ed and Richard, for holding the fort down speaking. And I, I hate saying hold the fort down. I, I, want, I want this to be a part of our regular mix because I never want the church to be about any one person. That is what has made our church great from the very, very beginning. It's not about anybody. It's about Jesus. And so I've loved you guys filling shoes and doing a phenomenal job. I see Rose in the front row helping hold our kids' ministry and it, it excelling. This morning I walked in and there's like all these people in superhero uniforms. They're like, what's going on? I thought we're in a movie series. Oh, yeah, but the kids' ministry has been teaching on character and all this kind of cool stuff. And today's a big climactic day and they're all wearing superhero stuff and the kids and they're having a big day and just all kind of great stuff has been happening this summer. And I just want to say, church, you're awesome. And you have risen to a whole new level, and I think it's, it's a precursor for what I believe God's going to do in the next few months and even next few years with us. So proud of you, love you, good to be home. Uh, this morning we are, we're diving into a series, or actually the next three weeks we'll end this series, but today diving into uh, the series and looking at this movie. How many of you guys have seen this movie before? All right, love the movie. When I, uh, when I checked in a couple weeks ago and I said, hey, what's been covered what movies have been used because I want to use this one, and even if something's been closed, I still want to use this one. It's one of my best all-time favorite movies. Let me ask you a quick questions. For those of you that have seen this movie, out of everything you know about the movie, what was Coach Boone's goal? What was his goal? Big picture goal. What, what was he trying to, what, what? He wanted to win, right? Big picture. He's a football coach. He's got all these temperature, raged struggles, right? All these dilemmas, some, some, some really, you know, big issues he's got to pull people together and to build a team for them to go out and win. When I thought about this movie and I thought about where we, we want to go in the movie, kinda, I kind of thought of the movie first before I even knew where I wanted to go, which would be completely backwards, but that's kind of how I arrive at things. God just kind of helps me. I want you to say something. You may figure, think you're going to get there, how you're going to get there, but I'm going to help you get there. So. But I knew I was going to pick this movie, so I began to think, what is, what is the guts of this? And God had been stirring my heart on a passage that I've been studying this summer, and it, kind of, it just came together in a beautiful way. When I think about Coach Boone being the coach with their struggles, time, day, and age, and them trying to become an entity that won, I begin to think of my life. God... What is it that really I really, really hope to win at? And I begin to think at all the things that I would want to win at, and it really boiled down to a very deep passion for wanting to win as a dad. I really want to win as a dad. I don't want to lose as a dad. I want to win as a father. I really, really have a, a deep passion that I, I, I want to win, and, and losing is not an option, as being a husband. I, I I can't afford to lose, nor do I want to lose. I've got to win the battle of life, both in terms of being a dad, being a husband, also being a pastor. I've, I want to win. I've got to win as being a pastor. And I'm 46 years old today. I had a birthday. It's today. And, yeah. Don't clap when a guy tells you he's 46. Come on, people. What's wrong with you? All right? Just kidding. I don't like my digits, all right? So I'm, I'm still getting used to the fact that I'm in my 40s. I'm still getting there. So, so here's, here's the, 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 the tension I feel. So many of us 
are one step away from stupid. <laughs> Am I not right? I mean, you see the people on Jerry Springer, right? We're just really one or two steps away from, from, just, from, from just blowing it. And I realize I, I, I don't want to lose. I really want to win. That's really a drive in me. But for most of us, we know us. I know me. I'm constantly doing stupid stuff. I make mistakes left and right. So I realize if I'm going to win, there's got to be there's got to be something that I can surrender my life to or give my attention to more carefully that would allow me to do that because you you got movies like this, you got some inspirational stuff that's cultural like that. But then we've got God's word. We've got truth. We've got like the only 100% accurate truth that is that was given for us for us to succeed. Not only do I want to win, but you want to win. There's not a man in this room who is married who doesn't want to win in his marriage. Whether you are or not, we want to win, right? The more you tell your wife, baby, I'm going to do good, what happens next week? We blow it, and we're like in the doghouse and trying to find a way so you'd forget so we can get back on top again because we want to win. No one wants to be a loser, Dad. No one wants to, to, to lose their temper and yell at their kids and, and like squash them so they're like scarred for the rest of their life, but, but most of us have done that. Most of you women, you want to be the best at what God's called you to be. In all your areas of life, whether it be work, whether it be relational, whatever it would be, you want to win. And I know this, I want us to win. I want our church to win. And when I win and when you're winning, when we win, then what happens is we're doing what God's called us to do. So the question is, how do you and I win? How do we win? Well, I want to dive into Scripture today, and I want to show you some of, I believe, the most powerful words that Jesus uttered, that John wrote, that all happened within, I believe, one of some of my favorite last five chapters of John, John 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. I'm almost going to do just a, a, a Bible study for you this morning that I pulled and extracted out the, the best meat but that John wrote this down, not, the, you know, these five chapters seem like, oh, wow, this is, this, is, uh, the, the, this is half of the book of John, the last five chapters. So this must be a big, huge chunk of Jesus' life. No, the last five chapters that John writes are in the last hours of Jesus' life. So in Jesus' last few hours... He's not talking to big crowds. He's speaking to his small group of men who we know that they do the most for the cause of Christ greater than when Jesus spoke to larger crowds. You know, most of the time Jesus talked to the big crowds. He'd he'd give them some parable, some story that had some meaning, and they would go, huh? They'd go, what did that mean? So Jesus would take these stories and then he'd pull away with his band of brothers and he'd give further explanation because he knew when he left, God would send the Holy Spirit and he would invade the hearts and lives of men and those men would be the men having known and walked with Jesus and filled with the Spirit, they would change the world. So in the last five chapters, 
in the last hours of Jesus' life, John pens down some incredibly pertinent things that I want to extract today and show us how you and I, we, how we win. Anybody want to know how to win? This is it in Scripture. Now, I don't want to flippantly give you a couple little statements that just, if you do this, you'll win. But I'm telling you, I want you to look at these pages of Scripture, and I want you to, I want you to argue the point, how could this not be a winning combination for you and I? It really, really is something powerful when Jesus summarized how we win. And I want to show you that this morning. Let me pray for us real quick. God, would you fill us this morning with your Spirit's presence? Would you prick our hearts? Allow us to see what you want us to see. Allow us to hear. And I pray, God, that, you, that we could do what you said in Scripture, that if we would allow ourselves, we could be renewed and transformed, trans, transformed through our minds by what you would say to us today. So God, I pray that we could believe that we could win through the power of your word that would invade and change our lives today. We believe it, we trust it, and we ask that that would happen in every person here today. Amen. All right, if you got your Bibles, we're going to look at starting at John chapter 13. And every point that I give you is going to be based on a, a select verse out of John 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. All right, so I'm going to give you five things this morning that I'm just going to basically call winning through five elements, five partnerships, five ways that we would partner with what Jesus says this morning. All right, so John chapter 13. If you've got your Bible, awesome. I bring mine up here as a safety net. I've been asked, how come Jeff doesn't read from the Bible on Sunday mornings? Very simple. My eyes won't permit me any longer. You know what I'm saying? Those words have gotten very small. So I print them out on my handy-dandy Jeff Murphy notes that get scribbled all over. No one could follow these notes but me. But in red are bigger print of what's in that Bible. So I just wanted you to know that. So if you got your Bible this morning, open it up. We go old school around here. We also go very new school. Most of you have Bible apps, and you are following along in your Bible uh, on your phone. If you don't have either one of those, um, we've got it up on the screens for you. So I want you to listen to John as he writes Jesus' words. John chapter 13, verse 4. So he got up from the meal and took off his outer clothing. This is Jesus speaking here, or John writing what Jesus is doing here. And the meal that we're talking about is the Passover meal. It's one of the last meals in the, in the Bible that Jesus pulls together his disciples, and he's about to pass on some legit stuff. He's about to give them the real deal. He's about to give them what's a winning combination for them for their life ahead. So at, during this meal, he gets up from the meal, takes off his outer clothing. They had lots of layers. He wasn't getting naked in front of these guys. He was just shedding some clothes because he was about to do something that they'd never seen someone of his status do. So he takes off this outer clothing. He wraps a towel around his, around his waist, and it says after that, he poured water into a basin. It began to wash his disciples' feet. Now, if you've heard this story before, you know, we've, we've have, uh, had conversations in the church uh, that I grew up in, and maybe you did, and we know this story, what it kind of looked like. It was Jesus washing the disciples' feet, right? 
They walked around a lot of dirty roads. That was something they had to do more often than we do. It doesn't really relate in terms of our feet. We've got shoes. We have cars. We have bikes. Most of us aren't walking around just all day in streets and dirt and getting our feet that dirty. But symbolically, the good news is this wasn't just about getting clean feet. This went way beyond like dirty feet to clean feet. This had to do with something that was so profound, so deep, that Jesus wanted these guys to be clear on it, that he wouldn't let them just bow out of this because they wanted to bow out of this. As soon as they began to recognize Jesus the Messiah, or soon-to-be Messiah, Savior of the world, this unbelievable person, right, that we know is God, is doing this, they were like, whoa, whoa, wait a second, what's going on here? This is kind of an awkward moment. So after he pours water in the basin, begins to, wa- begins to start washing the disciples' feet, it says, as he was drying them with a towel and began to wrap the towel around them, he came to Simon Peter. So he comes to one of the disciples, one is Jesus, kind of like three guys in kind of Jesus' inner circle. He comes to Peter who says to him, this is what Peter says, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Like, kind of like in shock. Like, this is an awkward moment here, right? You are somebody great. I, I view you a certain way. Uh, my feet stink really bad. You know, I don't know what his dilemma is, but I know he's got, uh, he's got a real issue of Jesus getting down and going between his toes, right? And the funk and whatever's between there. Maybe he doesn't realize that Jesus doesn't know what's there, but Jesus obviously knows what's going on. So this is what Jesus says. Jesus replies, you do not realize now what I'm doing. Like, Peter, you think this is just about, like, cleaning toes, like getting between toenails, right? It's got something greater to do than just clean feet. You do not realize what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, Peter said, you shall never wash my feet. This is how strongly Jesus wanted this to happen. Stronger than just clean feet, this is what Jesus said. He says, unless I wash you, you will have no what? No part. Unless I wash your feet, you won't have clean feet. No, 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 no. This really doesn't have anything to do with like, they, they're, they're dirty and stanky and nasty, and now they're shiny and clean and smell better. This has nothing to do with that. This is symbolically so much deeper that Jesus says, if you don't do this, if you don't allow me to do this, you're going to miss something and have no part of me. What's, what's, what's short for part? Part what? What's a larger word for part? Partner. See, he, he, here's the whole Bible summed up in this verse. Jesus wants there to be relationship. He's saying, no, 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 Peter, we've had relationship, but now I'm going a whole lot deeper. We've had connectivity. You've tracked with me for three years, but now, Peter, I'm going to go in places, dark places, stanky places in your life that you may not want me poking around, but if you are going to be where you need to be with me and you need to be in the rest, connecting with the rest of the world, we've got to do this. I want you to know and me in a unique way, and I want to know you in a, in a unique way, and it's going to start with getting clean feet. But Peter, if you don't do this, you'll have no connectivity with me. 
you'll have no part with me. So all of a sudden, may, may my wheels, well, I'm, I'm reading this, I'm studying this the last few weeks, I'm going, wow, this is profound. So I want you to jot this down. The only way we win is together. You cannot win by yourself. Period. If you're in the military, you know this to be true. Am I right? Uh, we could have brought the movie Band of Brothers this morning, right? You win when you've got somebody else in your life. See, the greatest struggle in the church today is we think the church is this right here. This is like maybe 10% of the church. And I would say in the South, we have been deluded, and maybe it's just because church has been so, you know, I don't know what it's been over the last many years that have just caused us to miss the greatest part of being a part of what God was doing. Maybe it's great creative services. Maybe it's just having wonderful services. I don't know. But I want you to know that if you want to win, you've got to go beyond this being your place of I'm going to be strong enough, fueled enough, whatever it is, through this experience that I'm going to win. That does, that's not how it works. God is trying to pass on something here to this small group of guys and is saying, if you'll, if you'll be a part of what I'm doing in this scenario, I'm going I'm to show you how to win. So I want to give you a point here this morning. The way we win, number one, is serving one another. We win by serving one another. Jesus goes on in John 13, verse 12. It says, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on clothes and returned to, returned to his place. And he said, do you understand what I've done for you? Are, you? are you starting to get what I've done for you? He asked them, you call me teacher and Lord. And rightly so, for I am, I, that's what I am. And I take that as you call me teacher and Lord. We, you've got this proper, authoritative view of me, right? You've got this, you know, right view of me. But I want to go deeper than that. I want to go beyond just language and, and um, uh, you giving me the mister or, or, you know, great name thing to being all proper and polished. I want to go to a whole nother level with you. You call me teacher and Lord, rightly so. I am all those things. But I've washed your, te- your feet now. We've gone to a whole nother relation- place relationally. I've washed your feet. Now you should also wash others' feet. For I have set for you an example that you should do the same for others. I kind of paraphrase there at the end. Now, let me tell you what this looks like. <clears throat> at the end of last year, we had a, a family in our church. The husband was in a bad car accident. And I remember getting the call from, from one of our staff or someone in, 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 in his small group and said, we just want you to know, Pastor, that, that Sean has been in a very bad accident. and We think you should come. Uh, he may not make it. And I remember just, you know, just doing whatever I could. Man, I was dropping meetings and getting across town and trying to make it to the hospital as fast as I could. This was life-threatening. And I remember showing up, and there was, there was all sorts of people from our church there. And my first thing was like, wow, this is really awesome. But I've got to get back, and I, I've got to talk to Sean. I remember trying to make, wake my, make my way to Sean. And a couple of guys in Sean's small group kind of almost like blocked the way. And they said, hey, preacher, we got this. Well, wait, wait, wait. 
but I need to get it shown. Yes, go back to shop, but we just want you to know we got this. All of a sudden, I felt like all this, like, like you know, like we're like a little battle, battle of territory or something. Like, what's up? I'm the pastor of the church. Dang it, let me back to this man. What's wrong with you? And these guys, it was just so, I'm telling you, it was, I don't know how to say this, but say it was a beautiful picture. These guys essentially were saying, preacher, we love you, he loves you, we want you back there, but we got this. We got this. My group, he's in our group, we, we have, we've, we're, we're, we're all over this. And I was like, this is it. This is it. This is serving one another. Here's the thing. This, 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 is, this is it working great. First Peter says this, each one of you should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in various forms. Is that what these guys were doing? They were passing on Jesus. This guy laid up in a hospital bed. He was feeling and sensing God's love. How? Because the God who existed in those guys who loved their buddy they had banded together and they were serving one another. They were, they were essentially doing exactly what Jesus was doing. They were passing on hope and joy and that God had not forgotten them. See, God set this up that we would be the church, the hands and feet serving other people. This, for me, was it working at its best. See, here's the bottom line. Jesus is saying, I need your gift. Sean, in the hospital, he needed their gift. We need your gifts. Not only do you need to serve others, but we need to allow others to serve us. I know some of us, we have the hardest time to let someone else serve us, don't you? I won't point out any fingers, but I know some of you have the hardest time allowing someone else to serve you. But I'm telling you this much. For us to grow, for us to win, we need to be both those roles. We need to allow God to use our giftedness, and you need to allow God to allow others to use their giftedness. This is how we win, serving one another. Let me give you another one. Number two, encouraging one another. We win by encouraging one another. The cause of Christ is advanced by us encouraging one another. How many of you guys have ever gotten so discouraged you wanted to quit? Whatever it was. Anybody? I, I, I can tell you, Pastors get discouraged too. They, we, we get discouraged too. There wasn't a time too long ago that I was so discouraged. I felt like I was carrying the weight of the world of the church on my shoulders. I wasn't, but I felt like I was. You ever felt like you're really alone? No one knows what you're going through? Well, John 14.1 says this. This is the second chapter. We did 13 years 14. Jesus' words, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You trust in God don't forget to trust in me. This is on the tail end of him washing somebody's feet and passing this on to a band of brothers that they would do that for others. I remember a guy calling me on one of my worst days. And he called me and said, hey, buddy. He called me Murph. Hey, Murph, I want you to know I've had you on my mind today. And I don't know if you need this or what, but I feel like God just put, put you on my heart. I don't want to be spooky. So guys always say to each other, I want a weird and spooky. I don't want it to be too little, you know, fluffy, fluffy, girly. But I want you to know I got your back. Don't quit. <laughs> and I was like, are you kidding me? Are you 
kidding me? I remember in that moment, I felt like a million bucks. Can I tell you that Sunday mornings are great around here? I mean, we rock it out, right? We've got great kids ministry. We've got parking guys. We've got, we got a wonderful Sunday morning thing going on. It attracts a lot of people, right? People come, wow, this is great. This church is cool. But can I tell you, there's something far greater than this. I walk out, I walk out of here on Sunday mornings. I'm, I'm bowed up. I'm pumped up. Many of you walk out of here, you're like, dude, that was awesome. I felt like God spoke to my heart. I'm ready to go, you know, bear hunting with a switch, right? We get fired up like that. But then Tuesday comes and Wednesday comes. We need more, we need more than just this. Scripture says this. Hebrews 3.13 says, but encourage one another what? Daily. Daily. I need to be in relationship daily with people. I want to quit several times a day. <laughs> right? Sometimes, man, I'm like a yo-yo. I got highs and lows. But when you have a band of brothers, when you got somebody who's got your back, and they're saying, I'm going to stand in the gap for you. I love you. Don't you quit. I've got your back. I'm for you. What happens to us? We're doing exactly what Jesus did when he got in the deep, dirty, dark cracks of Peter's feet. God wants us to get in relationships with others just like that. God wants, God wants us to know the deep, dark, dirty, ugly places of our hearts for we, so we can encourage one another. There's nothing better when someone knows me, they know all my junk, and they go, you know what, I know you, but I love you, and I got your back. That's the church. That's this church, and that's what we're trying to push because that's how we win. Third thing is this. We can produce more together when we're not doing it alone. Let me show you this. John 15, 4 says this. Remain in me and I will remain in you. This is Jesus' words. Remain in me and I will remain in you. If you leave me, you know, if you're running from me, I mean, I'm going to be pursuing you constantly, but you need to remain in me. He says, no branch can bear fruit by itself. Like, you can't do anything on your own. I, I think most of us, it takes years for us to get to a, an unprideful place that we realize we need God. I know a lot of us, and myself included, it's, it's taken... 20, 30 some odd years for me, for me to realize I can't do this all by myself. He says, you can't bear fruit. You can't win by yourself. It must, you must remain in the vine. Jesus is the vine, he says. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. Just to clear it all up again, he says, I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I am him, he will bear much fruit. He will win as a dad. He will win as a husband. He will win as an employer or employee. She will win. But apart from me, what does it say? You can do nothing. Listen, we win when we're doing it together. We can produce more when we're working together. So let me just say, we've got a big church here. We've got a big church. Um, I don't know if you guys realize this, but there's well over... 12, maybe over 1,500 people that would say, this is my church home. We got a great big church. We can do a lot together, right? We pull our resources together. We can do a lot. 
We pull our people with manpower together. We could canvas this city. We could do all kinds of stuff. Right now, we're doing this backpack thing. Man, we're taking on a whole apartment community. We can do a lot together as a church. We're a big church. But you know what else? We're also a small church. We're both a big church and a small church. What makes us great is that we learn from early, early on, we can't just be what Jesus wants us to be in this big, large group setting. We can't apply what God's doing. We can't really be the church if we're all huddled up all together. So from day one, we have pushed and said, you're going to win if you get in a small group. We're gonna, you're going to win if you get in a small group and allow other people in your life. You will win if you'll do that. This is what Jesus is talking about. When you remain in me, when you're connected to each other, like the disciples were connected to Jesus, you win that way, and you can do so much more together. Like, let's just talk about our giving. We have been able to financially help a couple out of our church start a church in Mexico. That's because you're giving. We were able to send 11 kids to, to student summer camp this summer. That's because we can do more together. Now, some of you, I've had you say, I wish I could contribute more. I wish I could help more. I wish I had so much money. I've had people all over the church say, man, if I won the lottery, I would give, I would give $5 million. We'd get that church built out there on the land. We'd get it done. We'd get started right away. I've heard those stories. But can I tell you, this is not about equal, equal sacrifice. It's not about someone giving more or less. It's not about equal giving, excuse me. It's about equal sacrifice. It's not about same amounts. But when we pull together, we can accomplish more together. So I want you to write down, producing with one another, all right? Last, last two. We can also protect one another. When we, when we follow Jesus' model, model we, we have the ability to really look out for and protect each other. Let me show you this. In John 16, verse 1. Remember John 13, 14, 15, 16. Here's another, another great one out of John 16. All this I have told you so that you will not go astray. He's, Jesus, all that he said about washing each other's feet, being connected to each other, all that I've said to you, I say that so you will not go astray. The word astray, crazy enough, in the Greek means, uh, is a word called um, scandalizo. It's where we get our word scandal from. <laughs> like we said earlier, we are one or two steps or two, one or two decisions away from stupid, right? We really, really are. Scandalizo. I remember when I was six years old, uh, I grew up in South Florida. Grew up uh, just south of Fort Lauderdale, Florida. We were a big outdoors family. Remember, I remember on one occasion, my dad had taken me out. We were on a long canal bank somewhere in South Florida. And uh, my dad was probably 75 yards down from me. This is the story that was recalled to me many, many times in my life growing up. And I was fishing. And I was out there just catching fish and having a big time. And it was hot. And all of a sudden, I slipped down in this canal bank. And I had no idea... All I knew uh, was the water felt great, and I was in no rush to get out. But my dad was about 75 yards down. He saw me fall in the water. He saw a couple big gators across, gators, alligators across the other side, jump in the water, and they were just cruising towards me, six years old. My dad's screaming, get out of the water. And I'm just like, man, this feels great. Woo, right? He's running down the bank. I have no idea 
anything is approaching me from behind. All I remember is I'm about to get out of the water, and my dad comes flying out and snatches me out of the water. And they told me that the gator was like, boom, chomping at me as he was pulling me out. Here's what I know about this passage. Jesus says, I've told you this so you will not go astray. Every one of us in our life needs somebody else's eyes on our life. Am I right? I would not be on this stage today if my dad didn't have his eyes on his son. You and I, if we're going to win in life, we have to go beyond this experience and allow other people, like-minded people, same, maybe same stage of life, maybe married, maybe you know, kids, not kids, maybe single, maybe divorced, whatever. But we need to allow somebody else to get down in places of our life in parts that we aren't used to allowing people to go in our heart so we can, uh, we, we can miss that scandalizo, so we don't go astray. Do you know our enemy would stop at nothing to steal your faith? For you, for you to get to a place where you say, oh, screw God, forget him, I don't believe any longer. I've been bruised up, I've been hurt, this, this thing has happened to me. I love the movie that we saw clips of. Coach Boone probably had every obstacle that there ever was to a coach all at his fingertips. Coaches were sideways with each other. They wanted his job. Players were sideways. Community was sideways. Coach Boone didn't go out there and change the masses, did he? Where did he start? Right inside with his band of brothers. Jesus' last words were to his 12 disciples. He taught them how to serve each other, encourage each other, protect each other, produce with each other. That is how they won. And that is the reason we sit here today by their example. I just want to say here at the end of summer, if this is where you're at and you want to go further with God, you want Him more deeply in your life, it's going to be that you grow when you open your life up and get connected to other believers who are going the same direction as you. I just want to say, as a church, this is, a, this is one of our values. We don't do a whole lot of things around here at church. We do Sunday mornings, and we do groups. That's about it. But we know if we can get you in relationships connected to each other, you will grow and be transformed. That's what Jesus' model was. So this isn't, this isn't for us today to walk out and take Ed's shoes off and wash his feet, although he probably needs that. But this is about you and I getting to the place where we would say, okay, I'm going to let somebody in. Not everybody, not the crowds, but somebody, somebody's. I'm going to let somebody in. And I'm going I'm to be an encouragement to somebody else. Earlier on, Jesus said, don't let your gifts go to waste. God created you, and some of you right now have the ability to be a huge help for somebody else who's gone through something just like you. Last one I want to give you is this. Praying for each other. John 17 says this. After Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and prayed. I pray for them. Now get this. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world. But for those you have given me. Now what is Jesus saying here? I'm not praying for the world. Wait, God so loved the whole world, right? But he loved the whole world. He wanted everybody to know him. Again, Jesus is modeling. He could pray for the whole world. 
right? But he wanted who to be involved in this? Us. So he models with his 12 disciples, disciples who he's speaking to, saying, I'm not going to pray for the world, but for you. You in my circle. See, Joey Biddle was someone in, who was in our church who we lost this summer. I got to be back just in time to be a part of the funeral. That Our church did a phenomenal job on loving on their family when they went through Joey's loss. Cynthia was here last hour. Do you know this? Every Sunday for the last five years, Joey Biddle texted me and said, I'm praying for you. I got you covered this morning. Every Sunday. In the last year, Joey Biddle, as I would drive by our church property, I would see him out there standing by our church rock. The little rock that we have on the property says, upon this rock, I'll build my church. I would drive by that rock, and I'd see Joey out there praying for his church. The night before Joey didn't wake up again from his sleep, do you know what he was doing? He had been so enamored with the My Church rock and that passage that we, that we adapted, uh, stole that from. He, Joey would get these little rocks that he'd find, and he'd pass them out to people. On the night before he died, Cynthia said he was in his, in his bedroom putting little rocks in little bags that he was going to deliver all to, his, to all his friends so they could pass them out to know that he'd been praying for them, that they'd been praying for each other. This, listen, this is the church at its best. The church shines brightly when we don't just talk a good game, but when we really love and serve each other. You want your family to be on board and know God? Dads, you've got to get beyond this. It's like your bread and butter. This is not where it's at. I want to encourage you every time we have an opportunity to connect you into a group, find a group. Find somebody that you connect with. Well, if you don't like the group, the guy's weird leading it, he's a dork, go find another one. Right? It's okay. God made us to connect differently, uniquely. Find somebody you connect with and do this. Do this. You want to win. This is how you win. I'll leave you with this. We is always better than me. Forget the grammatical error in that. <laughs> All right? I know it doesn't work, but for the sake of this message, we is always better than me. Let's pray. God, I pray as we, um, we open our hearts to doing your word. I pray, God, you would help us to be the church that you've called us to be. God, I pray that every man, woman, and child in this room would not just stop at hearing your word, but doing what it says. Because, God, in it is how we win, how our hearts and lives are are transformed. And I pray that this church would be the church that really does step towards you every week with decisions and steps that would affect our lives dramatically. God, help us to be the people that would respond to what you say in your word. We love you, Jesus, in your precious name you pray. Amen. I'm going to invite our host teams forward, and we're going to close with an offering. I want to read you... um, one of our My Church values, most of you don't know this, but starting in, G- actually back in October, all the way through this summer, we have met with about 15 people from our own church 
insiders that have bonded to become sort of like a strategy team. And we have, we have, we have written the My Church values out. We've really articulated what, what is of the essence of what makes My Church a special place. And one of those is that we really do value generosity. We want to be a church that is, that is just known for being generous. They could accuse us, of, accuse us of a lot of stuff right here, right? I mean, like, I, the room's dark. They got smoke in the room sometimes. Crazy people up in that church. But you know what? They will know we're generous. They will know we're generous. Our value is this. We value generosity. This is what we wrote down. I love this. You're going to start seeing these out in the lobby all over the place. The My Church Values. We go all in for God because He went all in for us. We give up things we love for things we love even more. It's an honor to sacrifice for God and His church. Woo, how to preach. Right? I like it. Let me say this to you. As a church, we want to be known as open-handed people, not closed-fisted people. The more I truly understand God's sacrifice for me, I trust Him for everything in my life. I just trust Him. And there's been times in my life where I'm like, God, I'm scared to death. And that's when I get a knock at the door or a phone call and someone says, hey, bro, don't quit. I got your back. Together, we're stronger. We're stronger together, aren't we? So let me encourage you today. Wherever you are, trust God with your stuff. The church doesn't need it. You need it. You need it. We pray for it today. God, I pray you'd use our stuff for somebody else's forever. I pray that you would, you would use the arena of our generosity to penetrate our hearts and to keep attention off ourselves so we could be used by you in a powerful way. God, I pray for every person in this room. God, I pray for the person who needs, who needs something this morning, who's financially really struggling. I pray, God, that as a bucket comes around, that they would just take what they need this morning. It's theirs. God, I thank you for those that sacrifice on a weekly basis. God, I pray you'd You'd blow their minds this year. God, I pray for those that are, that are on the fence. Do I trust God? Does this church just want my money? God, I pray that you'd really help them to see what you could do in their hearts and what we could do as a team together. We love you, Jesus. Amen.